want to give a little shout out to Walt and Terry Eads. Thank you guys for lighting our Advent candle. Um, they work so hard behind the scenes that you don't always see them up in front of everybody, but Walt and Terry uh, are the parents of our children's director, Tessa Arms. And so um, I don't know if you've ever made that connection, but uh, they are Tessa, Tessa's a, a, a great asset to have on the team by herself, but she, we have her and then we have bonus uh, because we have her family here with her, and uh, it's just a blessing to have you guys be a part of our worship service. Thank you for being. I know you guys don't like the spotlight, but I'm giving it to you anyway for a moment. That's just part of the deal, so thank you so much. All right, brothers and sisters, hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 1, beginning with verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading and to the hearing of His Word today. Amen. So we are continuing on in a series that we call From Another World. And the idea is that God comes into our world from another world, uh, whatever that means and whatever that looks like. And the word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming. And so there's this idea that God is coming, or God has come, or God will come. And so when we think of Advent, we think of how is it that God comes to us? It's most obvious uh, in this season that we remember God comes to us in the form of Jesus. Uh, the Word of God made flesh as we have just read in John chapter 1 verse 14. But I want to elaborate a little more on these worlds that, um, that God comes from and God comes to. Uh, one way to talk about this is that God comes from the world of heaven into our world of earth. And Heaven and earth are not just geographical places. You can't go on the other side of Mars and find heaven. Um, but you, you can talk about heaven as another dimension, that it's the dimension where God's glory dwells in its fullest, where God is, exists in such a way that there's no doubt about God's presence in the world we live in, you can look around and you can wonder, is God's presence even here? Is God's presence in that person? Is God's presence in that, in that neighborhood? Is God's presence in my life? There's all kinds of ways that you can ask those questions. But in the world of heaven, there are no questions. In the world of heaven, it is fully the presence of God. And uh, fully, it's full-on worship in heaven is what's going on. And so Jesus teaches us to pray things like, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we say, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. When heaven comes into earth, then, then, then God does things. God changes things here in our world. Now, in our passage today, 
the gospel writer John is drawing heavily upon some Old Testament imagery that the average 2018 American reader may or may not pick up on. So I want to dig a little deeper into some of the background that is coming into this uh, particular verse, John 1, 14 through 18. And we're going to go all the way back to the book of Exodus when God is leading the people of Israel through the wilderness. They're, they're, they're going out of Egypt through the wilderness and into uh, or toward this land that God had promised them many generations before. In this particular chapter in Exodus, uh, Exodus 33, Moses has gone up on the mountain. He's gone for a long time, and he's getting the Ten Commandments. And he, he has them on a couple of tablets, and I just kind of imagine he's like carrying them like this. He's probably not, but that's how the movies do it, right? So Moses is bringing those commandments back down, and he sees, once he gets down to the bottom of the mountain, that God's people got bored, they got restless. Whatever they did, they, they fashioned a goal golden calf and they worshiped the image of the golden calf in the middle of the wilderness and Moses gets angry and he throws those commandments down and he breaks them and it's a moment where Moses and God Moses is, is kind of at this place where he's done he's like God I'm done with these people if you're not going to be with us every single step of the way I'm out. Just blot me off. Just blot me out of human history. Blot me out of, of whatever book you have me in. I don't want any part of these people unless you're going with me. And God says to Moses, I will go with you. I will journey with you. I will tabernacle and dwell with you. This kind of brings up a good question that maybe we have every now and then. Have you ever been at a point in your life where you say, God, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore on my own power and my own strength. I am tired of X, Y, Z. It could be family, it could be friends, it could be a physical ailment, it could be a lot of different things in life. I will not go any further unless you're with me. I'm done. I'm not doing any more. That's kind of that point of surrender, isn't it? Well, even though God said, I'm going with you, Moses wasn't fully satisfied. He wants a little more evidence and proof. And so Moses makes a request of God. And I think it's a request that uh, if any of us could get this kind of response from God, that it would help us to see our world in a new way, each of our different world and our lives in a different way. And that request that Moses makes is, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God responds and says, Moses, you, you cannot see me in all my glory. Exodus 33, 20, he says, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. And this is really as close as anyone gets here to the fullness of God's presence in the Old Testament. The translation, one of the translations here is that, is that, Earth cannot handle the weight and the magnitude of the fullness of heaven. 
Earth can't handle the fullness of God's glory. It's too much for us. I'm reminded of the book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. And it's about a group of people who get on a bus. And they're, they're in a place that's either hell or purgatory, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is. And they end up taking this bus into heaven. And then once they get to heaven, they get off the bus and they start walking around and they realize as they're walking on the grass in heaven that the very uh, little pieces of grass, uh, they don't go down when they step on it. That, that they, the people don't have enough weight to push the grass down. And so it feels like they're walking on little nails or spikes. The substance of heaven is so great that they, they didn't even compare with there's, they weren't substantive enough. Very much in the same way, uh, at least I, in my imagination, the, the, the world that we live in cannot fully handle yet the glory of God. But God in His mercy says, Moses, I'm just going to give you a glimpse. I'm going to let you in on a little bit of my glory. Going back a little further, there actually was a time when earth could handle the glory of God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had relationship with God, relationship with one another, and everything was right in their little world, in that garden. But Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, and sin did something to them. Sin separated them from God. Sin separated them from one another. And God, in His mercy, said, you are no longer fit for this place. You can't handle it. It's too much for you. And He took them and He placed them outside and He protected the garden that, of the tree of life for a much later time that you don't see again until Revelation chapter 21 and 22. This problem of earth not being able to handle heaven is a real one. It's a universal one, and it's been going all the way back since the very early on in the story that we live in. But God has a plan. God has a plan to get the glory of heaven back into earth, back into our world, back into our lives. And He reveals His glory at us at a level that can be tolerated. In the Exodus journey, of course, we see that God allows Moses to catch a glimpse of his glory. Not too much, but plenty enough. Continuing on in the Exodus story, God's plan is that his glory would reside in the tabernacle. Throughout the rest of the book of Exodus, from 30, chapter 34 on, it's pretty much, hey, here's how you build this thing. Here's how you build the tabernacle. And a lot of press in the scriptures is given to preparing a place for the glory and the presence of God. And you look at the end of Exodus, and that's really what a lot of it is, is God is giving a lot of attention so that His people can make room for Him to dwell in their midst. That's how important that is to God. And in that tabernacle, people could see the smoke coming out of the Holy of Holies, but you can't just walk in there in God's presence. Only the high priest could go in there one day a year on the Day of Atonement. There's still this sense of separation. The glory is close, but not too close. Moses 
came down off that mountain the second time and he had been close to the glory of God. And when he comes down, it says that his face was changed. He looked different and the people were kind of scared about this. When you're in the presence of God, it changes you. He changes you. And the people noticed. So that's a little bit of the background here in Exodus chapter 33. Now we are in a position to reread John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's leave that scripture up there for a little bit. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt comes from the Old Testament word tabernacled. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Meaning that same presence of God that was with those Israelites in the wilderness is the presence of God that is coming in a new and fresh way in the Word becoming flesh, Jesus Christ. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. John says we have seen His glory. We have seen Him. We've witnessed Him. Jesus is the very presence of God. Jesus is the glory of God. And Jesus tabernacles with His people. Then and now. In your own wilderness in your own places where it's dry and where you might be hungry or thirsty or you don't even know where your life is going, God and Jesus tabernacles among us. And that is why we are here today. To remember God being with us. And that calls for the response And the only appropriate human response to that for us is worship. Worship. And when we worship, it opens the doorway to catch a glimpse of His glory. And to let God change us. When we glimpse God's glory, everything else in our lives will kind of fade into the background. Everything else will just melt away. Our problems, our burdens, our hurts, our questions, our insecurities, all the things that threaten us or make us feel threatened in life. Because we are no longer thinking about ourselves and our problems and what's going on in our world. When you're in the midst of the presence of God and His glory, you don't think about yourself. When you're worshiping, the first thing you, don't, you think about is no longer yourself because we're so enthralled in the very presence of God. How often, brothers and sisters, do we miss the mark on this? Confess with me if you will. How often do we come to God and say, man, God, I really need help studying for this test. And God, my side kind of hurts. And God, I have this friend who needs help. And God, I, 
I just don't feel good today. And God, I'm feeling insecure. And God, I don't like my job. And God, I don't like this. And God, da 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 Those are all legitimate things, perhaps. And God doesn't want us to check those at the door. But how often do we come to this place where God, where, where I'm at the center and, and I'm just using God to get stuff for me? If that's the extent of our prayers, then we've got it backwards, my friends. And we're not really worshiping God. We're just using Him for our gain. But that's not what the glory of God does when we see the glory of God, we say, woe is me. When we say glory of God, we say, I'm out of the way. I'm bowing down. I'm in the presence of greatness. And all of a sudden, all my problems are relative to this greatness that I am in. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't give your stuff to God. God wants us to ask. He wants us to request. He wants us to say whatever we need to say in His presence. But there's got to be this point where we just back off and say, worthy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. That's what's going on in the eternal heavens. The world of heaven continues to do that. We get a chance right now to join in in worship. It is what you and I are made to do. God is in the center. He is in the tabernacle. He is in Jesus. And so I want to invite you this Christmas to let it be a time of worship. If Christmas is not a time of worship, then we are missing it all. And part of worship is to realize who God is and to put God first and in the center of our lives. And when we do that, then everything else in our life will find its place. Doesn't mean all of our problems will be solved. Doesn't mean every, every bad thing will go away. But it does give us the right perspective on where we were made to be in relationship to God and in relationship to the world around us. And so I invite you this Christmas to be intentional about worshiping God. Have you seen His glory? Have you? I invite you to have, do whatever you got to do to have eyes to see His glory. Do not wait until God solves all your problems and you have no problem left to worship Him. Don't wait until all your to-do lists are done and then you worship God. Don't wait until you have enough money in the bank account so that you can be comfortable and then worship God. No, worship God first. No excuses. Worship God first. And then let everything else fall into place. You know, Christmas is not always an easy time. Especially if you've lost a loved one at Christmas or if you have relationships. That Christmas can highlight that stuff, can it? But the joy and the beauty of the glory of God is that we can just take all that and let it go at His feet and allow God to order everything in our life as He sees fit. And so let's just do that right now. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. And I'm just going to ask us to, whatever it is, just to give it over and to, and to worship God with it. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord God, you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world. 
And you have poured out your Holy Spirit upon us, O Lord. You are here. You are present. But Lord, sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we can't hear it. Sometimes our hearts don't perceive. And it may be because we're busy about many things. It may be because we're consumed with worry. It may be because we're obsessed with entertaining ourselves or comfort or, or whatever. Maybe we're just hurting and we can't get beyond our own pain. Physical, emotional, whatever it is. But Lord, we just take all that right now and we lay it at your feet. Because you are on your throne in heaven. And you rule over all things. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, O God, that we would worship you and put you first. Show us your glory, O Lord. In your mercy, show us your glory. That we would see you. That we would be enthralled around you that your presence would be here and that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear oh lord let us worship you today and we lay down our hurt we lay down our pain we lay down the things that are distracting us we lay down the things that that bother us we lay down any confusion we may have about what to think or believe or whatever in the world that we live in, and we simply worship you as a first priority. Show us your ways, O God. Teach us how to live our life with you at the center. We give it all to You. Take our lives. We love You, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.